Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest explains what it means to be born again. Well, praise God. Let's make our confession. Amen. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Praise the Lord. So what does it mean to be born again? Why should a person be born again? And how can a person be born again? By the time this message is over, hopefully I will answer all three of those questions. Years ago, I was asked by someone if I was one of those born-again Christians. I answered yes, because it was the only thing I could think of to say at the time. But since that time, I've learned a lot and taught a lot on the subject of spirit, soul, and body, and what it means to be born again. Consequently, I've got a much better answer if I'm ever asked that question again. Pastor Scott, are you one of those born-again Christians? Why, yes, I am. And since you asked, let me make one thing perfectly clear, just so you know. There is no other kind of Christian but the born-again Christian. Because if you're not born again, you're not a Christian at all. Amen? Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? Well, to really understand what it means to be born again, you have to go back to the beginning and understand how mankind was made and understand what went wrong after he was made. Amen? Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Amen. Aren't you glad you have authority over creeps? Hallelujah. Glory to God. God made us triune or three-part beings just like Him. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. This is the first part of what the Jews called the Shema. The Hebrew prayer, the Shema. And it begins with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I want to break it down for just a second. Even in the Old Testament, there is the concept of a God who's more than one person, yet he is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord Jehovah, our God Elohim, plural for gods, is one Lord Jehovah, singular for God. Singular and plural at the same time. Amen. So a lot of people think the Trinity is just a New Testament concept alone, but I'm here to tell you that it's in the Hebrew Shema, the concept of a God who is singular, yet He is plural, yet He is one whole being. Amen. And then Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, He said, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus Himself verifies in the New Testament teaching his disciples that they should go into the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the singular God who has three distinct personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen? So evidently, the person we call God is composed of three parts, which we call the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He has three parts or three distinct personalities, Yet he is one whole being. Before Jesus took on flesh, 
he was called the Word of God. So the Trinity was more correctly referred to as the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. In similar fashion, human beings are made by God with three distinct parts, spirit, soul, and body. We are three distinct parts, yet we are one whole being. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, some people teach that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. I'm here to tell you, if you teach your people that, they're going to be confused when it comes to understanding what it means to be born again. It's clear from this verse that they are three different parts because three different Greek words are used to describe the three different parts. I pray God your whole spirit. That's pneuma. It means breath or wind. Amen. And soul, that comes from the word psyche, which we get our word psychiatry or psychology from. And the body is soma. So the spirit is that part that was breathed into you by God. Remember in Genesis, it said God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul. The breath of God is that part of you, that spirit part of you that came directly from God. Amen. And then your soul is that individual part of you that develops as you grow as a human being, your mind, your will, your personality, amen? And then your body, I like to say it like this because I'm a space nut, your body is the earth suit that you live in while you're here on planet earth, amen? Glory to God. Hebrews 4.12, just so you know, there's more than one scripture that verify this. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Here again, you've got three distinct parts spelled out in the Scriptures, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. How many know there are joints and marrow in your body? Amen. So clearly spelled out here again in Hebrews is the concept of the human being being three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Dan is spirit, soul, and body. But when he walked in the door, I didn't say, here comes Dan and his spirit's not far behind. That's because his spirit, his soul, and body are all together right now. Amen. And a lot of people, there's a denomination that says that this is worshiping more than one God. That this is polytheism when you believe in the Trinity. I say, how silly can you be? Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it can't be true. Amen? Now, I don't completely understand how God can be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and be in different places at the same time, and yet He is one. But I believe it because it's in the Bible. I also believe it because I have a perfect example of somebody that's built the same way. That's me. I look at myself in the mirror and I can see somebody that has a spirit, has a soul, and has a body. How do I know I'm three parts? Well, I know, for one, you can leave a part behind. When you die, you leave part of your being behind. 
Your spirit and your soul go to heaven to be with the Lord, but your body stays in the grave and will stay in that grave until the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are raised. Amen. And then your spirit and soul will be reunited with that body and you'll be whole again. Amen. So there is an example that's easy to understand. I am spirit, soul, and body, yet I am one. So I can kind of understand it. Amen. Is that my spirit speaking or is that my mind? Was that God or was that me? Anybody else besides me ever ask yourself that question? Proof that there's more than one part going on in your body. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. This is where everything went wrong. When man disobeyed God and fell in the garden, it corrupted every part of his three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. But it began with the spirit. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The literal Hebrew rendering goes something like this. The day you eat of that fruit in dying, you shall surely die. There's a double reference there to two deaths. When he took a bite of that fruit, he died spiritually and eventually his body followed suit. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Not that man fell, but praise the Lord that God sent Jesus to be the answer. Amen. When Adam sinned, his spirit was separated from God. That's the true definition of death. It's separation. His soul was polluted by sin, and his body began to age and decay and eventually died. Thus, death came to mankind, spirit, soul, and body. Unfortunately, Adam passed that sin nature through his bloodline to all mankind. Romans 5, 18 and 19 in the New King James Version. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's the proof text for what I just said. Adam passed sin to all of mankind, but when Jesus came and gave himself as the perfect offering in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he reversed the curse on mankind. Amen. Glory to God. He began to undo what the devil did when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. When God sent Jesus to redeem mankind, His intention was to reverse the process of death beginning with the spirit of man, the core of His being, that part of man that was breathed into Him by God. Amen? Amen. Let me read Genesis 2-7 since I alluded to it earlier. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Amen? So if man was birthed by the breath of God, doesn't it make logical sense that he would have to be rebirthed by the breath of God? Amen. The spirit of man was the key. It had to be the starting point to reverse the death that had come upon mankind, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. The regeneration of mankind had to begin with his spirit. Amen. Jesus put it this way, and we'll get to this in a minute. He said, you must be born again. It is not an option. 
As the Brits would say, it is mandatory. You must be born again. I love saying it like that. It's such a cool sounding word. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. We're going to camp here for a little while, and I may read a few verses and then expound and read a few verses and expound because it's so rich. It's so full of truth. It's so full of glory and revelation. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, New King James Version. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Amen. Here's a closet follower of Jesus. Nicodemus is convinced by the miracles that Jesus did that he's sent by God. But he comes to him by night because he's not yet ready to go prime time with his belief in Jesus as Messiah. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What I like here is I believe that Jesus perceived that Nicodemus had some theological arguments he wanted to bring to him. And Jesus just cuts to the chase. Says, Nicodemus, forget all that. You must be born again. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I don't think that Nicodemus actually thought that that was the case, but it's the only thing that would come to his mind. Amen. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Let me stop right there. Some people try to make the case that this is saying that you must be born again and baptized before you're truly saved. Jesus wasn't saying that. You can even see it in the context. He says, most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he amplifies and clarifies what he's saying there. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. How many who have wives who had children know that the first thing that happens before that baby comes is her water breaks. That baby is born of water. Amen. He's talking about natural birth. So Jesus is saying you got to be born naturally and now you got to be born spiritually or else you face eternal separation from God. There is no other answer. He said, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind, that word there is the same word, pneuma, means the breath, the wind. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Amen. He's using the wind as an example to uh, show how the Spirit of God works in the heart of man. Okay? He's saying, you don't know which way the wind's coming from until it comes. You don't know where it's going until it goes. You can't see what the wind is doing, but you can see the effects of the wind. Okay, You can see the trees blowing. You can see the water rippling. You can feel the wind, but you can't see the wind and predict where it's coming from or where it's going to go. He said it's the same way with the Spirit. The effects of the Spirit can be seen, but what happened to produce those effects happened in the Spirit on the inside. A man gets born again, it changes his whole life. 
It begins to affect his whole worldview. I remember when I got born again. I remember there was an instantaneous change of worldview. And the devil just come right in and said, you didn't get nothing. That was just a bunch of emotion. You aren't saved. You aren't born again. But you know, as I entertained those thoughts, I began to realize how differently I thought about life than I did the day before. My whole worldview, and I don't have time to go into that because everybody in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. The way you looked at everything changed in a moment. That's because of that invisible work of the Spirit on the inside of you. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? He was totally flummoxed, perplexed. Amen? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And do not know these things. He didn't coddle him. He didn't comfort him. He said, you should have known this. You're a teacher of Israel. You're a Pharisee. You know the word of God. You should have known that a set of rules was not sufficient to restore relationship and communion with God. It was only temporary. Man needed a change of heart or there was no hope for man. Amen. And he said, Nicodemus, you should have known that. You should have known it because you read it in the Scriptures and it was prophesied by the prophets. Ezekiel 36, 24-28. Listen to this. This is amazing. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people. And I will be your God. Glory to God. Ezekiel looked to the day that the law would no longer be necessary. God would put His Spirit inside of us so we would want to follow the law from the heart. Amen. Glory to God. Jeremiah 17.1, New King James Version. This is one of my favorite scriptures. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart. Now, some of you in here, probably everybody in here knows this about diamonds, but diamonds are the hardest substance in the universe. Amen. So here God is saying, listen, I'm using an iron pen tipped with a diamond and I still can't get through your stony heart. I got to write your sin on the outside. I can't get it on the inside because you're not ready to repent. But Jeremiah gets further guidance from the Lord, further revelation in the 31st chapter of Jeremiah. Verse 33, he said, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. Nicodemus, you should have known this. Have you not read the scroll of Jeremiah? Have you not read the scroll of Ezekiel? You should have known that a change of heart is the only answer for man. You must be born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and verse 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, that word there, he's a new creation. If you study it out, it means a creation without precedent. 
never existed before. Now, I do not profess to completely understand this, but when you get born again, God yanks out your old dead spirit and he puts in a new live spirit. Now, I don't understand it, but I believe it because I've experienced the change of worldview that happens when you get born again. Amen. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. Most Christians today do not think of themselves as the righteousness of God. Yet the Bible says it clearly. When you are born again, you get a new spirit. You get a new man on the inside of you. And that man is as righteous and holy as God himself. It's in the scriptures, folks. Amen. We don't feel like it, but it's the truth. Amen. The sooner we wake up to that truth, the sooner we'll walk into the righteousness and the holiness that is in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Before we go any further, I want to make something very clear. Jesus purchased more for us in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension than just forgiveness of sins. Much more. He paved the way for us to become new creations in Him. Amen. 1 Peter 1.3 in the Amplified says, Praised, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By His boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Glory to God. Did you know it took Jesus being raised from the dead to enable us to be born again? That's why he went into Abraham's bosom and he got all the Old Testament saints that were looking to the coming Messiah. He said, hey, boys, hey, girls, I'm the one. I am your Messiah. I guarantee you, every one of them said, Abraham, we're with you. If you say he's okay, he's okay. We're going with him, amen. They were born again because Jesus had paid the price. He had been risen from the dead. He went into Sheol and Abraham's bosom, and he got them all. And Ephesians chapter 4 says, He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Glory to God. Another really cool thing in this verse that I'd like to point out, It says, by his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The King James says we have been begotten again to a lively hope. So anytime you see the phrase lively hope in the King James, it's talking about the hope of one day getting the body that God had for you. Amen. The perfect body that's waiting for you in the showroom of heaven. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to know that there's a beautiful 25-year-old or thereabouts model of you with all your hair and all that kind of stuff, no pimples, no imperfections, waiting for you in the showroom of heaven, amen? Because Jesus paid the price when he was raised from the dead to purchase that new body for you. It's the only part of your salvation that you have not received yet, amen? you got a new spirit on the inside of you. You have to renew your mind to the Word of God. Amen? And then you get your new body when Jesus comes for you. Now, also think about this. With the new body, you get a new brain. So you really get a new mind as well. Amen? Now, we want to get as close to the mind of the Lord as possible before that happens. Amen? Because you don't want to, you don't want to be too radical of a shift. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got a completely new brain, you know, like Doc Brown. What? What? What's going on? I think completely different now. 
Hallelujah. So it was necessary that Jesus be raised from the dead to give us the ability to be born again. To be born again is more than a ticket to heaven, bless God. To be born again is to receive a nature that is just like the Father God. 80% of the body of Christ has no concept of this reality. Before we were born again, we had a wicked and sinful nature. Ephesians 2 Verse 2 and 3, New King James Version. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I brought this scripture up because I want to make it clear. Listen, once you get born again, you do not have a sin nature. There's a whole bunch of people out there teaching that you still have a sin nature that you have to fight even after you get born again. I beg to differ and the word of God begs to differ. It says that you were by nature the children of wrath, just as the others. So how can you be born again? Let's just stop here at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. We all know this. That if thou shalt confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Again, once you get born again, once you get saved, you receive on the inside of you the righteousness of God himself. Amen. When you become born again, you receive a new nature. But you must fight the remnant of the old nature. Ephesians 4 22 through 24. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The Amplified says, regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. There it is in the scriptures. You don't believe me? You're just as righteous and holy as God. In fact, you're as righteous and holy as you'll ever get. You're not going to get to heaven and attain some new realm of righteousness and holiness. Amen? Glory to God. Colossians 3, 8 through 10, very similar language. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Amen. Amen. I said all that to say this. You're not just an old sinner saved by grace. That's a lie of the devil. It's false humility. According to the word, if you're born again, you were a sinner. That was saved by grace, and now you're a saint of God. Amen? Amen. Yes, you still sin from time to time, but now when you sin, you're sinning against your new nature. That's why it's so hard to do. Amen? That's why the backslidden Christian is the most miserable person on the planet. They have no home. They don't really feel comfortable with the sinners, and they don't feel comfortable with the saints because they're in no man's land out there doing things they know that they shouldn't be doing. And I promise you, they may be saying they're having fun, but they are miserable. If you've been born again, you've got a spirit man on the inside of you that's just like God. 
He always wants to do the right thing. He always wants to pray. He always wants to read the word. He always wants to worship God. He always wants to walk in love. Amen. The challenge of the Christian life, as we all know, is to get that man to show up on the outside. Amen. How do I get that man to show up on the outside? In my soul and in my body. How do I put off the old man and put on the new? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says that the process begins by renewing your mind to the Word of God. But that's another message altogether. And we'll save that for another day. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on what it means to be born again. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.